I know we just prayed, but let's pray one more time because, you know, praying's good, right? <laughs> and if we're going to listen to the word of God, we better make sure uh, we invite God to be with us as we do it. Let's pray. Gracious and holy God, it is always a gift to turn to your word because uh, it is such a gift to us. And the fact that you infuse it with your spirit so that it speaks to us in the here and now um, directly from you, uh, Lord, it just... Sometimes it's bigger, it's just, it's just a gift bigger than we can even fully appreciate or comprehend. God, we invite you into this time and space. We invite you into this, your word. We ask your spirit to infuse it um, and to fill us so that we might uh, be receptive to the message you have for us, each of us, um, in these words this day. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So our scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 5, verses 24b to 34. Let's listen to God's word for us together this day. And a large crowd followed him, and we're talking about Jesus here. A large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, for she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately, her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. So we get about two verses of scripture uh, that tell us a little bit about this woman uh, as we meet her in the story of Jesus today. But I think it is helpful to unpack because there is a lot of information packed into those two verses. And so I think it's helpful for us to unpack it a little bit um, to get a fuller picture of her and her circumstances and what exactly is going on in this crowd of people as she goes to meet Jesus. The first thing we learn is that she has been suffering from her illness for 12 years. And I would love for you, and this may, this is going to take a little brain power, so you know. It's, it's early, but not that early, all right? We're going to test if you're awake. I'd love for you to think about what you were doing 12 years ago. Just think about what your life looked like 12 years ago. So 2007 is what we're talking about. Place yourself in 2007. I was in my first semester of seminary. Maya was like an eight-month-old baby. Like, that's, that's my reference point. So find your 2007, right? And then just imagine 
all that has filled the time since that point to now, those 12 years, that's a lot of life. Amen? That's a lot of life. So now imagine what it would have looked like, and some of, for some of you this may be true, but what it would look like to have a chronic illness for that expanse of time, 12 years. She has suffered from this bleeding that does not stop, this hemorrhaging, right? And we can imagine the physical toll that would take on a body, right, to just have this consistent hemorrhaging. We can imagine just, just the physical cost that an illness like that would have on a person. Um, but there's more than that as well, right, that we hear in this text. Um, it tells us that she's gone to many physicians trying to, to figure out what is going on and trying to, to make it better. And the text uses the word that she's endured the, endured the care of many physicians. And we don't know what exactly that looked like. I don't know what healthcare looked like in the ancient Near East in the first century, right? But the fact that she had to endure it says it probably wasn't fun, right? And so she's done this, but on top of that, um, it has cost her everything she has to get that medical care, right? She has had to pour all of her resources into trying to find healing. She's endured the care that she's received in exchange for those resources, and the worst part about it is none of it's worked, right? Absolutely none of it's worked. Um, it's, scripture tells us she's actually worse than she was when it all started, right? In addition to all of this, that we're already getting this picture of her, is the reality that um, in the Jewish tradition, if you were a woman who was bleeding, you were considered to be ritually unclean. Um, Leviticus 15 lays out the law about this, and if you want later, you can go check it out in detail. But it means that nobody could touch her without being unclean themselves. Nobody could touch anywhere she sat or laid down. Um, and so that meant that along with this 12 years of chronic illness that physically would have been draining upon her, um, that financially was costly to her, took everything from her, um, it also socially would have isolated her. Um, she would have been an untouchable, right? Um, because to touch her, to be in relationship with her in any kind of physical way, right, would be uh, to be made unclean. And we can just begin to imagine just the, what kind of prejudices and, um, you know, just kind of social costs it had to be deemed unclean all the time, right? And so she would have been left socially isolated and disconnected from her community. And what we're learning today, what social scientists are learning, is that there are real physical costs to that. That when we are socially disconnected, when we don't have relationships that feed us and are real, and, and when we feel lonely, that there are physical costs to that. Um, social scientists are learning that in the general population right now, loneliness is a stronger predictor of premature death than air pollution, obesity, or alcohol abuse. People who are lonely have a one and a half to three times greater chance of dying in the next five years than people who aren't. 
Loneliness correlates with increases in sleep disturbance, headaches, backaches, increases in blood pressure, poor appetite, and depression. It heightens our cortisol levels, which is our stress um, hormone. And when our cortisol levels are heightened, that stress hormone is heightened, it, it lowers our immune systems. And so we're much more susceptible uh, to illness. And so loneliness also weakens immune systems, right? We know this would have been her reality, um, that she would have been experiencing isolation and disconnection and loneliness, which only would have compounded the physical problem she started with, which is why I am not surprised the scripture tells us that she was only getting worse. All of this has taken a physical, an emotional, a social, a financial, and a spiritual toll on her. And so as she approach, approaches Jesus on that day, she is carrying all of that need, right? It isn't just about the physical need that she has, even though that's a big part of it, right? But it's also the emotional, the social, the financial, the spiritual needs that she comes to Jesus with. And so she seeks him out, right? She goes in the midst of this crowd, even though what we've just learned about the law in the Jewish tradition is that doing so is risky for her. Um, later, we see the disciples, you know, Jesus, she touches them, and Jesus looks around like saying, who touched me? And they look at him like he's crazy um, because the crowd is so thick around him, like he's being touched by like 10 people at once. Like, what do you mean who touched me? There's like eight people touching me. What are, what are you talking about, right? So that just gives us a picture of that crowd that she had to move through in order to just barely touch Jesus, right? And as she's doing that, she is touching people left. She had to have been bumping up against people, and every person she touches, she is making unclean. And she knows that if anybody knows who she is, if anybody catches her at what she's doing, she is risking further isolation, further disconnection, further shame, which already had to be a big burden that she was already carrying. She also knows that to touch Jesus, this healer that the crowds are following, that she's heard all about, she knows that by touching him, she is going to make him unclean as well. Right? And yet, she is desperate enough, the need is big enough that she's going to risk it because she longs to be made whole, right? She longs to be healed, and she has heard that this one, he just might be able to do it, even though so many before him have failed. And so she snakes her way through the crowd, and she reaches out, and she's, if I could just touch his clothes, right? One, if I could just touch his clothes, maybe he will never know I was there, right? If I just barely touch his clothes, he, maybe he won't feel it, and I can, just, I can just get in, touch the clothes, be healed, and get out. Don't have to talk to anybody. Nobody has to know what's going on with me. I'm, I'm just going gonna, gonna to sneak in, touch Jesus, be healed, get out. And it's all going really well, right? Because she sneaks in. She touches just the hem of his clothes, and it's in exactly what she had hoped might happen. She immediately, Scripture says, she can feel the blood flow stop. Immediately she can feel the healing that takes place in her, right? But then that's where her plan goes a little awry, because unfortunately, immediately, 
Jesus can feel it too. He didn't feel her touch, right? But he feels the power leave him, Scripture says to us. And he stops immediately, right? And he looks around, who touched me? Who touched my clothes? He asks the question. It's important to know that Jesus, part of the disciples, like, what are you talking about? Like, there's a thousand people around you. Of course, you're being touched. You're being jostled left and right. Part of the urgency, I think, in their questioning is not long before the women shows up on the scene. Jairus has come, and his daughter is dying, and he has begged Jesus to come and heal his daughter. And Jesus has said, let's go. And so they are on the way to heal the dying daughter of Jairus that Jesus has promised to go to. And there's an urgency about it, right? And yet Jesus stops, and he wants to know who touched him. The disciples are like, come on, we, we have work to do. There are people everywhere. What are you doing? But Jesus stops and asks the question um, because he wants to see who has received his power. And the woman, she knows, right? She knows what has happened. And so with fear and trembling, Scripture says us, part afraid of all the consequences of what she's done, right? All the potential further ostracizing and shame that might come. Part in awe, I think, of the power of this one and what has just occurred with her. With all of that in her and trembling, shaking, she kneels down before him. And y'all, this is one of my favorite lines in Scripture. She kneels down before him and she tells him the whole truth. The whole truth. I'm curious what the whole truth looks like for you today. I don't know that we ever give anybody the whole truth. Everything inside and out about our lives, right? But if Jesus were here today and you had the opportunity, the invitation to kneel down before him and tell him your whole truth, I wonder what you would say. I wonder what I would say. Where is your need, right? What is causing life to drain out of you? What's keeping you from wholeness? Physical wholeness, emotional, social, financial, spiritual. What's the need that is weighing heavy on you? The one that's really hard to speak, to admit. The one that, or the ones that we, you know, prefer to keep hidden real deep down inside. What's the whole truth look like? Jesus wants to meet that woman that day. He doesn't just keep on going knowing he did his thing, right? Because he knows without the interaction that occurs between him and her, without her having this opportunity to tell him the whole truth, the healing in the full sense of the word isn't going to come. Because it wasn't just about the physical with her, right? 
It started with a physical need, but that compounded, and there was all kinds of need that she came to, carrying to him, right? Voicing the whole truth is so important to our healing because we've got to be vulnerable. We have to let our whole selves be seen in order for relationships to be real and transformative, in order for us to really bring our full and whole selves. Like if we only show pieces, right, um, and we receive love for pieces, but we keep stuff hidden, like we aren't fully letting ourselves be loved, right? We have to open up our true selves, um, our whole selves, for uh, our true selves, our whole selves, to be embraced and healed and made whole by our God. And Jesus knows that. He knows that the healing won't be complete with just the touch of the garment. He knows her needs aren't just physical. She needs to speak the whole truth. She needs to be fully seen. She needs to trust him with her everything so that his love for her might reach her everything. And so she does that. She falls at his feet, afraid and in awe all at once, and she tells him the whole truth. She bears her everything before him, and then it comes. Jesus tells her her faith, her trust in him has made her well, and Jesus sends her off healed and in peace. Jesus longs to do the same for us, right? Jesus longs for us to trust him enough to tell him our whole truth. He longs for us to let ourselves be fully seen. He longs for us to name even our deepest needs before him. He longs for you to let yourself, your whole self, be loved by him. Because healing in this text, it isn't a one-way street. It takes both Jesus' power and the woman's trust. He says, daughter, by your faith you have been healed. By your trust you have been healed. It takes his power and her trust. Because Jesus knows for the healing to be whole that she needed to trust him. Needed to know she is loved just as she is by him. She needs to realize that she is not on the outside but that she, her whole self, belongs. Belongs to her God. Belongs to Christ. That she is daughter to him. Jesus asks us to tell him the whole truth because Jesus longs to heal us and make us whole. Jesus asks us to bear our everything before him because Jesus longs for his love to reach our everything. What's your whole truth? Jesus would love to spend some time talking with you about that this week. Amen.